thank you for letting me do this and for being here. I think you might have to, but thank you for coming anyways. And um, I am uh, I'm the worship pastor here at the Oaks, and I've been the worship pastor since 2008. Uh, and I have been at this church since I was 10 years old. So I got a lot of stories about this place and about Pastor Scott and Pastor Mark. Um, they've been my pastors all 25 years that I've been here. Uh, and so I'm 35. I just turned 35 last month. I'm happily married to Ani Brooks. And we have, we have three boys together. Connor, Caden, and Asher are their names. And uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. And they're really loud. So if you ever come hang out at my house, you'll, you'll realize just how loud the, the DB level is at our house. It's pretty high. It's off the charts. Um, but they're great kids, a lot of fun, and I, I love being a dad and a husband. It's the best. God is, has been so gracious to us. Um, in 2000, or 2001-ish, I, um, I started leading worship. And I was, uh, actually, no, that would have been actually 98, 99, because I was a senior in high school um, when Pastor Scott calls me up and says, I heard you play keyboard. And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, will you want to come like, try, try and play with us on Wednesday night? It was the next night, and I said, okay. And so I, Wednesday came around and uh, came up early to the church. And when I got there, the band was already practicing, and Pastor Scott who was the youth pastor at the time, was playing the keyboard. He's actually a great musician. I don't know if you could, can tell if you've heard him sing. He's a good singer, a good keys player. And um, he was up playing the keyboard. And when, when Pastor Scott, as you can imagine, when he is on the worship team, it's pretty amazing because he's got the keyboard like this, and he's just, <laughs> you know. And I came up the stage, and I just kind of quietly, because I'm, I'm a pretty introverted, shy personality. And I kind of just, you know, slowly sauntered up next to him. It's like, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. You see what I'm doing? You see this? Can you, can you do this? Can you do this? And I was like, I don't know if I can do that exactly, but I, I think I can play what you're playing. And I scooted over onto the keys, and he scooted off. And I've been probably doing it every week since. Um, and I'm really thankful for that moment for a man who would, you know, trust just a little kid to come up and, and help lead worship. Eventually, I started to sing. Uh, some in worship for the youth group didn't have a clue though what it really was as a ministry and leadership was like please I'm not a leader I'm j I can sing the songs but I'm not like a leader and uh, then Pastor Scott became associate pastor and a new youth pastor came in his name was Dan Hunter Dan was married to Rachel Hunter some of you might know Rachel Rachel was uh, a really great worship leader and a great leader great pastor super great um, my, one of my heroes. She came in and she could have just easily been like, who is this kid? You know, because when I was there at that time, here's what would happen. I would show up at Wednesday at five o'clock and me and my band would be sitting there in chairs just like this and looking at my notebook of songs and we're like, this one's cool. Should we do this one? I don't know. We did this one. Oh, we did that last week. And, and it was just... We were doing our best, and it wasn't bad. You know, our band was pretty decent. <coughs> we had a great youth group, large youth group, and the band was decent, and, and we had fun, but I didn't, I didn't know it as ministry and as leadership. She came in, and instead of just, like, pushing me to the side, she, like, 
kind of embraced me and took me under her wing and was like, hey, I'm going to help you understand how awesome this ministry really can be. It's a lot more than just picking some songs and, and getting through them without your voice cracking, you know, hopefully. Um, which, by the way, if you'd love to hear a great voice crack, go to our first ever worship album, Seven Captured. Second song, King of Majesty, right at the beginning of the song. Boy, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a great one. We didn't, we didn't even, yeah, please pull that up. They would enjoy that. Do you have it? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> so you're getting more than you paid for tonight. So while he's fishing around for that, um, she came and just, like, she, she was really willing to uh, help me out, and she taught me a lot. And in 2002, I came on staff at the Oaks, uh, full-time doing two different jobs. One of them was in the finance office, and the other was working with Rachel. She was a worship pastor. And I worked with her for six years as the associate worship pastor and did a lot of fun things like set stages, rap chords, uh, uh, write chord charts, put chords over words and stuff, and um, get to write music too. A lot of music was written, and, and then we did some recordings and stuff. Um, and then just pastoring people, and she taught me how to do that. And then in 2008, Dan and Rachel left and went down to Houston. And um, actually, Pastor Dan Call, who was an executive pastor here at the time, offered me the job of worship pastor. So that was over eight years ago now. You got it? I got I'm getting it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe at the end it can be bonus material. But... Um, that's my Oaks journey, and um, this worship department that I'm in now, it's a support ministry. So write that down. Worship ministry is a support ministry. And that's really important. Um, you guys haven't heard from, from Kelvin Coe yet. When you do, you're, gonna just, you're just going to love him so much. Uh, I look at Kelvin, and I cannot think or speak highly enough about who he is and how he leads and how he thinks. The guy is running the entire church, but you wouldn't even know it. Um, and here's the way he views his department. He says, our, like his, their mission statement is we want to serve the pastors of the church. So he'll come to me, the worship pastor, and he'll say, how can we serve? We just want to serve you. You know, what do we need to do? What does our team need to do to serve you? He'll go to Pastor Joseph, and you'll see representatives for, from media in Pastor Joseph's uh, services, in the kids' services with Joey, um, and of course on Sundays with Pastor Scott, and uh, that's our ministry. I want it to be the same way. I'm always like, Kelvin, who's serving you? You're also a pastor. You know, somebody needs to serve you. Um, and he's, they're just got their hands in every area of ministry. Well, we, we pretty much kind of do too because of the nature of our ministry. Um, it's not like Seven. Seven has like a whole church within itself. They got a lot of different departments they could call their own. Well, we, we really just have uh, one department that serves a lot of other different departments. We have worship team leaders in um, kids ministry and in seven student ministry on Wednesday nights here at the well, young adults, uh, Sunday mornings, of course, and even in traditional service, I'm not responsible for, for that, but they have worship there. So there's a lot of that in every area. So that's why I would call it a support ministry. And so when people ask me about what our vision is, what the vision of our department is, um, I've had a number of conversations about that over the years. And... Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's anything wrong with the department having a vision statement. It's great, actually, to have something you can look to and say, this is who we are, this is what we're supposed to do. 
but I just can't get away from, well, we use music to grow generations that transform communities. <laughs> um, that's the vision of our church, and I feel like if I start to stray any other direction from that, then our ministry just becomes this own little beast that does its own thing, and it's, it's called a silo. And um, that's not where we want to be. We want to be very involved in everything that's happening on this campus, and, and we should be, and we should know the heart of our church, and, and our vein is to use music to do that, part of the vision. We use music, on, whether it's in a service or whether it's one-on-one -on -one with a musician who's growing. We want to we help grow generations that will transform communities. And music can be very powerfully transformative. So um, it's a pretty cool gig that we get to have here. The culture that I want for our staff, for our Oaks Worship staff, and, and I get probably 95% of churches don't have worship staffs. So it's like an, an, an incredible blessing to have four of us that are full-time staff members just for worship ministry at a church. It's, an, it's amazing. Um, I have... Alex Kissinger, who is our worship development pastor. Excuse me. I have Jordan Combs, who's the music director, uh, and Corey Wood, who is the engineer, and he's also in our department. And then we get to have, you know, ministry staff, ministry associates and things. Um, but our, the culture that I want us to have is that our worship staff is not responsible for leading worship at the Oaks. I don't want us to be the ones responsible for that. We're responsible for developing the worship leaders. That's the culture that we want to have. We're constantly uh, working to create opportunities for more leaders, future generation leaders, to come up and lead worship. That's what I want our culture to be. I want us to be known for that. I want that to be like number one on our list. Now, I still am responsible for what happens on Sunday morning regarding music and worship. And I do lead a lot, but I don't want that to be my number one. My number one at this church because of the vision of this house, is to develop worship leaders um, and either raise them up and send them into the ministry elsewhere. A long time ago, when I first was hired, I sat across the desk from Pastor Scott. And he said, Clayton, I want to bring you on staff, but you need to hear me. I, I'm not hiring you because you can sing. I'm hiring you because I see potential in you to be a leader in this organization. And that has been the mantra of our staffing ever, ever since I've been here. Every time I sit down and talk with Pastor Mark about, hey, our department needs help in this area or this area, it's always, um, are we hiring task people or are we hiring leaders, developers of leaders? And that's what this church thinks is worthy of hire. And I agree with that. And so Pastor Scott made that very clear to me. That's, another, that's also the reason why we don't usually pay musicians here. A lot of churches do pay their musicians a stipend every week of 50 bucks here or 100 bucks here. I know churches in the Metroplex that, that pay their musicians $150 a service, and they have four or five services a weekend. It's like, whoa, that's almost a full-time job, just being the musician at the church. And um, we've definitely blessed our musicians here and there for different seasons of like extraordinary giving, but just a week-to-week -week serving basis, you know, I figure, well, we can probably find people to come play and come sing. Singers, players, dime a dozen. Leaders who develop leaders, not so much. That's a different kind of person and definitely worthy of hire here, and that's, that's the way our culture should be in our department. We're going that direction. Our number one responsibility, does anybody know what that is? Make disciples. Ding, ding. You win. 
Uh, I'll give you a gift later. I'll let you listen to my voice cracking. <laughs> That's the number one responsibility in our church. Pastor Mark always says to us and to me, he says, look, if nothing else gets done, are you making disciples? And so we just use our music. That's the area that we make disciples in. We train in our vein. We, we pick these people that are musicians. They come to us, want to be involved. Great. Now let's get, let's get discipled. You know, and so our first, I think our first um, priority is to disciple the musicians and the singers. Um, and then as we do that, we'll see the church worship times increase in their effectiveness, you know, and be better. Um, I think that one-on-one -on -one discipleship is as deep as you can get to actually have a relationship with someone where you're constantly talking about. It would be like me with one of my vocal leaders or a music director meeting with them regularly, talking about their family, talking about the way they spend their time, talking about struggles that they're having, praying together. That's the deepest kind of discipleship. What happens on Sunday mornings? Probably the shallowest, maybe the shallowest, one of the shallow end types of discipleship. If all you have is Sunday morning church for discipleship, then that's, it's pretty shallow. Now here at the Oaks, I think it's, it's pretty great ministry that happens, but it's still on the shallow end. You know, it's people coming and they can be totally checked out, sitting in the back, never talk to anybody and then walk out. It's a big enough church where you can get lost. It's the shallow end, but at the same time, I think that a lot of people start in the shallow end. You know, like when, when you first learned how to swim. When I was a kid, I didn't want to be in the deep end, even though the water is just as buoyant in both spots. <laughs> I didn't want to go to the deep end because for some reason it scared me. So get me in the shallow end where, yeah, I can learn to swim, and every now and then if I need to touch the bottom, I can. So a lot of people start in the shallow end. A lot of people come in on Sunday mornings, and they don't really know Jesus yet, and they don't really understand discipleship. They don't understand the benefit of relationships. Um, but it's a start. It's a starting point. And so because of, that, because of that, we work really hard to make sure our Sunday morning experience is as quality as it can be. And... Um, just in order to connect people with the Lord and with each other. That's, that's what it's all about. So we work really hard for that. Our theme verse in our department is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. And that verse talks about people that have good news. And it says, if you've got good news, then you should go up on a high mountain and you should lift up your voice and shout it out. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Shout out the good news and say to the people around you, here is your God, it says. Exclamation mark. Here is your God. This is who he is. Don't forget. Let me remind you who he is. That's the theme for our department because when people come into the church Sunday morning and we're playing music and we're singing these songs, that's what I'm hoping they're hearing is this is who God is. We're singing about who he is. We're rejoicing about who he is and what he does. And so we want to pull people in when they're in the shallow end and hopefully they'll make the connections that can bring them deeper and deeper in their walk with the Lord and with other people. I do get asked a lot, what do you do during the week? Um, you're a worship person, you know, what does a worship pastor do on Monday, Tuesday, whatever? Can't you just show up and get your songs together and sing like I used to when I was in youth group? And um, I remember hearing a story of a worship pastor, it might have been Rachel, and um, she got a card from a, someone in the church, just a random card, someone being nice, wanted to thank her for all the hard work she did as a worship pastor and this person proceeded to list the things that they thought the worship pastor did like getting the overhead projections ready and um, you know picking the songs 
and uh, singing them, you know, and that was probably about it. And she was like, wow, is that, is that really what people think? That that's, a, that's all we do? And for, probably for a lot of churches, that is all that's done as the, as the worship pastor, but not here. There's a lot. There's a lot of planning and prep that goes into it. There's a lot of communication, tons of communication. There's a lot of scheduling. Um, there's a lot of work to create opportunities for people to grow as musicians, grow as worship leaders. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. I was going to give you a little Sunday morning process, if you're cool with that, how it works for us here. I come in on Monday, pastoral staff. After pastoral staff is done, I go to my office, sorry, and I start to plan and think about um, not the following Sunday, but the Sunday after that. We're two weeks out in advance. The reason for that is that we're trying to get the best possible prep we can for our volunteers. You guys heard about the five S's yet? So we're thinking about the five S's, and one of those is um, how can it be strengthening, how can it be you know, significant um, and, and sustainable. And the way we do that, and there are two others of course, but the way that we do those three is we work on our prep time and we try to get stuff prepped as fast and as early as, as possible so that people can be prepping themselves when they show up as volunteers. When they show up for rehearsals, they feel ready because they knew what the music was way up in advance. So we try to get that done, I think, through not the following Sunday, but the one after that. So today, I was in my office planning November 6th, which is Orphan Sunday, planning the music, thinking through who are the leaders that day, who should lead, what songs, and what songs feel most appropriate. And I could, on an, at another time, tell you all about how that works for me personally. But I get the plan together, and then that afternoon, I pass that off to Jordan, music director, and he starts to build out the arrangements of the songs. And I give, I, the idea, the goal is to give him a lot of leeway for that, to use his abilities as a, music, as a musician and as a leader. How can we make the most out of this? What can we do creatively to make these, these really communicate the way we want to? And I also pass it off to Russell, our choir director, so that he can start thinking through vocal parts and beginning to, pre to prepare to record those so that our choir members and our vocalists can be listening to them, the parts, their harmony parts and stuff, before they come. That's Monday. Tuesday comes around after prayer and all staff, there's a programming meeting over in Pastor Scott's office. At this meeting is myself, Kelvin, creative arts pastor, um, Pastor Scott, and the guest services, so Nina and Dusty, Nina's small groups, small groups will be there, Dusty's guest services, and then maybe a few other people. And um, there we talk about the services, basically, and programming them. Very simple. We usually review the Sunday that just happened. Tomorrow morning, actually we don't have it this week, but usually every week on Tuesday we have it. We'll talk, you know, what did you guys think about the way the service went this week? And we'll go through that, review everything. We'll, we'll even talk about details like the transition from worship to the message. And man, that just feels clunky when the TV rolls out. You know, how can we make that a little bit smoother so it's not so distracting? Um, things like that, real simple things. Um, and also talk about the heart and the feel of the room and how, you know, Pastor Scott will address the way worship feels or what he's been seeing on stage and all that. Very in-depth, detailed meeting. We'll talk about next Sunday, plan it out, look through the program. This is how it's going to run. We'll talk about the Sunday after that. We'll talk about the next coming series. And then that's programming meeting on Tuesdays. 
Um, Wednesdays, 2 o'clock, is a pre-production meeting. This is where a couple representatives from my team, including myself, and the media team, we all meet together, we sit down, and we talk through that Sunday and the next Sunday in depth, literally going through the cue sheet, what happens here, what happens here, what happens here, where are people standing on the stage. Again, this is um, still a few days in advance from Sunday, a whole week and a half in advance from the following Sunday, so that the media team has adequate time to prepare. We want it to be the absolute best that we can make it, and we want it to feel the absolute best way that we can make it feel. Uh, I was in a class today at SAGU, I think one of you or two of you were in there, talking about worship ministry, and I asked them, you know, what are some ways that you would describe the way worship ministry feels in the church today? So they were answering that question. And um, they're answering that question, and a couple times it came up that, oh, sometimes it just feels overproduced. You know, like there's just so much that goes into it. There's the lights and the videos and the sound and everything and all these different transitions and different things. And I totally get that. Um, the last thing I want for the service to become is a distraction from what's really important. Because you don't need any of that stuff. People need to encounter Jesus. Um, but you don't, if you want to say, they don't, they don't need that stuff. They just need Jesus. Um, and that's true. Uh, but in our culture today, God gives us tools to help reach people in a certain way, and we want to make the most out of those tools. So, um, on Wednesday, we have a meeting that's very in-depth. On Thursday, we come together to rehearse, and by this time, the songs, the parts, everything has been sent to the team, and a planning center online schedule has been sent out, and we rehearse 6 p.m. on Thursdays with the choir, in the red room, in the band, in the worship center. And uh, we go through um, probably each song about two or three times, and then we cover transitions. Um, a lot of people forget to practice transitions of songs, but that's really what makes a worship set feel the best, is when a song moves really easily into another song. So we, we make sure that those transitions are nailed. And then about an hour and 15 minutes after we've been rehearsing, we do a full run through with the media team and make sure that that's, that's songs, that's speaking on the mic, that's everything. We'll go through it. And then we're ready for Sunday. We show up Sunday, 8 a.m., we run through it one more time, and then service at 9, 15, and 11. It's, and that's, that's a full week just planning a normal weekly weekend service uh, for me. And then there's all of the extra stuff, extracurricular things to think about, like we have a worship night coming up. Oh, sorry, Brian, I'm ruining your, your lead session. Sorry, Lance. Yeah. <clears throat> sorry. I, you can probably make these 50% off when you sell them. Um, for your own personal gain. But... Um, you have a worship night coming up. We do worship albums. We have Christmas to think about, which is a really create, highly intensive, creative thing. So there's a, there's a lot of drummer boy. Um, maybe this year, Lance, maybe for you. Uh, so there's a lot of extracurricular things. We're going to Kansas to do youth convention. Are there anybody from Kansas doing their youth convention this year in a couple weeks? So um, we just had our volunteer training. We do Freedom Weekend. So there's a lot that's outside of just Sunday mornings. Um, so it keeps me busy. Last thing, and then I'll open it up for questions. 
um, I cannot describe adequately enough how special it is to work for Pastor Scott. And he's the only pastor I've ever worked for, so okay. But at the same time, I've heard enough stories to know that it can be tough sometimes working, especially for someone in my position. Um, this isn't in, in any way like a prideful thing, but the worship ministry has almost, well, it does have the most face time in front of the church besides the pastor. No one else gets 15, 20 minutes every week in front of the entire church. So it's, it, is a, it is a special position in that, and I think he really cares about what happens in that time. Of course he does. He, he cares about everything. Um, but we have a special relationship for that, and um, I really appreciate him uh, trusting me a long time ago and still continuing to trust me to this day. Nobody that's been quite as developmental as him in my life and, and as like willing to address things that would be a challenge for me, you know, so stepping out of my comfort zone, being a more authoritative, bold leader on the stage, that's, that's a challenge for me, especially when you've got bold leaders in front of you like Pastor Scott and Pastor Joseph and these people that are seasoned, Pastor Mark, they've done this for a long time. And, but the challenge and the push is there and the grace, like you can do this, you know, and I've always felt that. And at the same time, I feel this release from him to, um, to stretch my borders and to not just get bogged down in the day-to-day -day mundane tasks of, of uh, planning for each week, but to think future, to think what could be better in the future, to um, even go and write more songs and create my own music. You know, he, he does that, and I just love him for that. He does um, challenge me and talk to me about what's happening on our stage with uh, regards to you know, the style of music, the um, racial representation is a big thing, especially if you look at the demographics of who is coming into our church. Lots of Hispanic names, lots of African Americans coming in, um, a lot more than we've ever had. And for him, the concern is, man, I just want people to feel well represented, you know, and so there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And we, we look at that and he challenges me on that. Every now and then, and this is rare, but every now and then he'll send me a, a, a um, song request, not a request, but like an idea, you know, through a text. He's like, I was listening to this and it could be perfect for Freedom Weekend, you know, or whatever. You don't have to do it. He always says, you don't, you don't have to do this, but I just was listening. So it's pretty cool stuff. I, I heard a long time ago from Willie George. Willie George is the pastor of Church on the Move in Tulsa. Incredible man, incredible ministry, incredible life of ministry. Has, has a lot of fruit to his name. And, um, I heard, though, a long time ago, him at a, at a conference, and he said that in his first position as a pastor, he was a, an assistant pastor to a senior pastor. He had a lot of dreams, a lot of things he wanted to do. And he realized right from the get-go that when he was hired to work for this senior pastor, that his dreams had to now submit to that man's dreams. And we don't really want to think that way. Like, no, those are my dreams and I'm going to keep following them. I can serve this person and still like work to achieve my dreams. But um, I think the appropriate way to go about this in ministry, if you're going to work for a pastor, is to think, what are, what's your dream for the church and this community? How can I get on board? And all of my dreams can wait. And what happens, what happens when you have that attitude 
you serve the, you serve the pastor, you're working to fulfill his dreams for the church, for the community. And when you do that, you start to realize that your own dreams are, are starting to come up and come to fruition. And it's really cool. I can, after I've heard Willie George say that, you can see that by far in his ministry. Um, but I can see that in my own, you know, that there's a lot of things that I've wanted to do that I've been able to do. And I think it starts with just a heart and an attitude of servant, servant heartedness to the pastor. So are there any questions that you guys have about how worship ministry works here, fits in with the vision of our church, whatever? Go ahead. So with worship being so voice-oriented, do you guys kind of have like a uh, backup plan in case someone gets sick and uh, like worship out? Um, no, but we do have, um, we do have the vocalists there are five vocalists every weekend, and the standard we want for our vocalists is that if we need you to, you can just go ahead and lead. And so, um, you know, if I show up Sunday morning, and I, I think the plan right now is that I'm going to be leading one of the songs this Sunday, and uh, so if I show up Sunday morning and I'm like this, <clears throat> I might be able to make it through, but if we're going through run-through and I'm like, yikes, this is really bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like that? Then, um, then I would just turn to one of the other guys, because we always have at least two guys or at least two girls in that group, and I would say, hey, I need you to lead this song. So it's a fail-safe. It's not like a plan B necessarily, because I'm hoping that, that our culture is one where everybody that has that role is capable of leading uh, and doing a good, strong job of it for our church. Um, I'm fine. I, I'm, we're almost done, right? Yeah. Um, any position that kind of puts you on stage gives you that temptation of accepting the glory as your own and not God's. Mm -hmm. And out of curiosity, how do you handle that temptation? Uh, like, what do you do when that temptation finds its way? Like, what do you do to counteract that? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I was able to um, lead worship for general council of the Assemblies of God uh, last time, 2015, and um, there was uh, lots of people there, and um, really wanted to do that well, you know, and that temptation was very present for me, and it was like, please do a good job, Clayton, so that the pastors in the room think, I mean, honestly, that was the main thought, I, you know, please, y'all might think the same thing, right? Um, it was hard to beat that thought. And, uh, and the way I beat that here, I think, uh, and it's a regular daily thing, the way to overcome that, I think, is to um, keep finding my way up to the prayer room in the back where I would spend an hour and put some worship music on, put some ears, earphones in my ears, and, and go up with no agenda, no prayer requests, the whole reason to be up there is just to worship and just enjoy the Lord. And um, I think if I keep enjoying those moments, then the moments on stage will be more of service and not me receiving anything. It's me giving. I receive in those moments. That's where I receive. And you should try it sometime, even if you're not a singer or a worship leader. You should try Find a prayer room, a quiet place where you can go by yourself and just be yourself 
with the Lord. Think about how good he is and just delight in him, as the scripture would say. It's amazing. And you walk out of that room and you're like, man, I just, I felt like I just, you know, I just received a new shot of life, you know, like a new shot of energy in my veins. And um, it really helps you stay grounded in the moments when you're uh, in this position on the stage. I definitely, (coughs) definitely have to confront that not only in myself, but, but in worship leaders, you know, here at the church sometimes. Because I know I can recognize, and I don't ever want to condemn anybody for that, because I recognize the struggle it is, you know, like people that, oh, I just feel, I feel called to this position, like this is my calling, I need, I need this, I need to be here. And um, I just, I've always questioned the idea of being called to be a worship leader. Never really thought that that was true. I mean, I, I don't put it past God to tell someone, you're going to be a worship leader. Um, but if you haven't had that encounter, like a dream or like audible, whatever, um, then no, I think the calling on our life is to make disciples. And if you're a musician, use music to make disciples. If you're an artist, use your art to make disciples. If you're a writer, write books that would make disciples, you know. Um, but that's your calling. It's to, serve, it's to go into all the world and make disciples. doing some work. Anybody else? What do we got, 20 minutes? Four minutes. Awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you a, a, a small one and a big one. Here's the small one. You want the small or the big first? Good. So the small one was, it was a, a 2009 Thanksgiving, Sunday before Thanksgiving, and I'm up on the stage, and I'm still kind of new at the worship pastor thing, and especially the welcome time, and I'm just like, we finished the first song, hey man, hey man, isn't God good, yeah, yeah, man, it's Thanksgiving week, and I'm just so glad that, that you guys are here on Sunday, aren't you, aren't you just thankful for all the things in your life, and Thanksgiving's awesome, because you got... You got, you know, the food and the family and friends and football and all the other Fs. And uh, you know, why don't you just go ahead and greet each other and then we'll continue to worship. What did I say? (laughs) Why did I just say that? I'll never forget that. That was really strange. You don't want to put Fs in people's minds at all possible. Here's the big one, though. People, nobody remembers that. But here's the big one. Um, I dealt with a, a bit of a controversy in a, in a couple of my choir members. They were not happy with each other, three of them. There was kind of a little storm. <coughs> and I'm, I'm a guy. These were all females. I'm a guy. I'm a waffle. Everything's in squares for me. It's like, we can fix this. Just do this, this, and this, and we're done. And I don't realize how, no, there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of things involved for people. There's a lot of history that I'm not thinking about, and I'm the leader. I'm like, I can fix this, you know? This was two years ago or so. And so I'm hearing about the problem from one of my staff members, and I decide, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call all three of them. I want you to get them in my office. We're going to have it out. We're going to fix it. And so these three ladies and that staff member who, in, who reported, we all got in my office, and, uh, and I said, Ladies, let's talk. What's going on? Why are there all these issues? 
And that was a, just a really, really bad mistake. <laughs> and here's what happened. It's because one of them, who's a sweet lady that I love to death, it started to look like she was the problem. And the other four of us in the room are just like, you know, can you explain yourself? Um, it didn't, not, that wasn't said and it wasn't communicated that way, but it really felt that way. And about halfway through that meeting, I started feeling in my gut, this is so bad. Why have I done this? And so I looked at, at this woman right before we, we finished and I said, can you just stay a little bit longer? And um, it sounds like I'm about to cry, but it's just my throat. <laughs> I said, can you just stay a little bit longer and the rest of you can go? They left and immediately I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, this was the worst thing I could have done. I, and I totally don't, I totally misunderstood the situation. So don't, don't ever think you can fix a human relationship issue um, just because you know Jesus and you're a pastor and, and gosh, we should all just forgive each other. Come on, let's get past this. It's not that easy. And, and there's a lot of things that, that go into those issues that you don't realize. And that's what I found out. This lady had a lot of hurt not by these ladies, but by other things in her life, and it was starting to flesh out around the others. And so that was a big deal, big learning moment. Yeah. Well, thanks, Lance. <laughs>